the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. You're listening to the Pastor Scott Show podcast. Have any questions or comments? Email Pastor Scott now at pastorscott at kkla.com or tune in live weekdays from 3 to 5 p.m. And now, here's Pastor Scott. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the Pastor Scott Show. Great to be with you today. Number is 888-528-2557. A lot of things going on in the news. We'll get to uh, some of that later on in the program today. And uh, But there's always things that are going on that we that we need to be aware of. There's always things going on that are, you know, that we don't want to get the, the current news that I know is a big deal uh, distract us from. There's a great campaign that's going on with Focus on the Family. You can learn more about it at itsababy.com. And I want to I want you to hear the audio to this video that you can find at Focus on the Family. It's pretty great. And I think that you'll understand. This is a, a bunch of parents who are discovering that they're going to have a baby and they're discovering, you know, they go through all the different things that you go through when you're having a baby. Uh, but they use a different word to describe the baby. Well? It's positive. We're having a fetus. Having a fetus. We're having a fetus. <laughs> and here we are. Would you look at that? Hi, fetus. Hey, got names yet? For the fetus? We've got a few we like. Focus on the family. Would like to remind you that no matter where you are on your pregnancy journey, it's almost here. Keep pushing. Your fetus is doing great. Call it what you want, but the truth does not change. You want to feel the fetus care? Um, it's a baby. It's still a baby. That is a audio from a video that Focus on the Family has put out. It's great because obviously everybody calls it a baby. We all say, I'm going to have a baby. We go and we get the ultrasound and uh, we're going to have a baby. Well, you know, that's part of a campaign to help move us from being a culture of death, ultimately, to being a culture of life. And with the overturning of Roe versus Wade last year, it changes the the discussion and the work that comes with abortion. And one of the things that's really important that we do, both at a legislative level, but also all of us in our churches or wherever it is that we are serving, is we want to be with moms who find themselves in a pregnancy where they might want to terminate. And there is a new law that is being considered called the Providing for Life Act. It's an ambitious attempt at overhauling the government's family care system. And there's some great things in it that are intended to really help parents who are in a difficult situation keep and raise their children uh, and have the babies. With me as a guest to talk about this, Nicole Hunt. She does a lot for Focus on the Family. She's an attorney and serves as a writer and spokesperson for Focus. She provides analysis and advocacy engagement for Christians to promote faith, family, and freedom. And she writes and speaks on issues like this, including life, religious freedom, parental rights, marriage, and gender. Gender, gender. You can find a whole lot of her stuff at FocusOnTheFamily.com. You can also follow her on Twitter at Nicole Hunt. 
or, or X or whatever it is. Uh, and uh, Nicole, it says in your bio that you're married to your husband, Jeff, and you have four children and you love camping and hiking with your family in the great outdoors. Welcome to the Pastor Scott Show. Thank you so much for having me, Pastor Scott. It's great to have you. I always enjoy that part of the uh, the bio, you know, that you enjoy going out to the great outdoors. And just one time, I want somebody's bio to say something like, you know, Bob never leaves the house and has seen every episode of Cheers on Netflix. And he spends most <laughs> of his time trying to get Cheeto dust out of his couch before his wife notices. <laughs> I think that would be a lot better. Anyway, uh, Nicole, thanks for being with us. Hey, this is uh, something I think that is exciting moving forward in what our nation is going to be dealing with and is dealing with regarding abortion and life. Can you tell us a little bit more uh, about this act that is going on? Yeah, I'd be happy to. So the Providing for Life Act, what it does is it actually just puts into action what it is that the pro-life movement is says that we are about, which is about saving lives. And it does it in a comprehensive, creative way. Um, Do I think that it will pass this session? You know, it's so divided up there in Congress. I think it's probably very unlikely. But I would encourage states to consider, if you're a state legislator, maybe this is something that could pass in your state if you're a state that um, promotes and protects life. But here are a couple of things that it does that I think is just really smart. It starts to get more creative. First of all, it would extend the child tax credit to preborn babies. So that would mean that women who are pregnant one year and have their baby the next, they can actually file um, once that baby is born. They can file for a child tax credit from the year before, in addition to that year that that baby has been born. So I can file my taxes. Uh, Someone can file their taxes and get a credit for uh, the baby before the baby's born if it was in the previous year. Exactly. That's right. And it, it expands it, right? It's it's a it's a larger so for kids who are under the age of six it's a forty five hundred dollar um, tax credit and then if they're over six it's thirty five hundred dollars previously of course it's right around two thousand dollars so it's much more robust amount of um, credit that is coming back to the parents I think another really creative thing it does is that it incentivizes the states to um, established rules that would require for the father to be a part of covering some of those pregnancy expenses that typically fall to women. Mm. And the truth is, is that when women find themselves in unplanned pregnancies, it's quite often the case that they are unemployed. And so to put that onus on um, the other participants to be part of helping, likely he has a job and that would be something that could help to cover her medical costs. So I think that's one way that, um, that it's more creatively looking at also just promoting the family. Um, I know there's many other aspects to the bill. One, for instance, uh, would be to create a life.gov webpage, which would include all kinds of resources. So women who are choosing life, finding themselves in unplanned pregnancies, but wanting to know what other option do I have besides abortion, there would be basically a federal clearinghouse website that, hey, if you're in this state, here's all these resources that you have if you find yourself uh, pregnant and needing help. So all of these things are are being considered in what's called the Providing for Life Act. It's something that's uh, being discussed in Congress, like you said, may not happen this year, but maybe it's something that would also encourage us to be thinking about how important this is. You know, one of the criticisms that pro-life people will get is, okay, if you take away abortion, what are you going to do for the mother? You know, and I really like the idea about holding the father, who there always has to be a father, accountable, right? He doesn't have to be married, right? He should be married, but often, particularly when we're talking about abortion, the couple's not married. 
right? Yeah, just the biological father of the baby, uh, making sure that 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 individual is involved in the process and that the woman's not having to shoulder all that responsibility on her own. And we know that Planned Parenthood plays right into this narrative, right? A single woman who feels all alone, who's desperate, who feels hopeless. This is the narrative that Planned Parenthood pushes. And of course, the pro-life movement needs to come back with that hopeful, you can you have other options type of narrative because it's true. There are other resources. There's a community that this woman can get tapped into if only she knows where to look or if only the opportunities are available to her before she makes that choice for death. If something like this were to pass, even at a state level, there's going to be a need to communicate this, though, to women. Like, they may not know that if they're struggling financially, that there's some help with tax credits. And that always sounds, you know, tax credit sounds complicated on its own, right? We have to, you know, kind of uh, really explain what that is. Um, what are some things that uh, people can do to help their legislators um, move this forward? Well, you know, I, I think it's very important to reach out to whoever represents you, whether uh, this has been introduced in the Senate as well as the House. So whoever inter, uh, represents you in either one of those chambers of Congress, send them an email. Tell them that you support this because this is very pro-family. Mm-hmm. This is very um, pro-baby. It's it's pro-marriage. It's pro-family. Like this is something that's going to move our culture in the right direction, a culture that embraces life and rejects this culture of death. And so it's important to reach out to your members of Congress to encourage them. And in fact, as I mentioned, if you are in a state um, that would likely consider passing something like this, reach out to your state representatives and your state senators. Tell them, hey, I like this bill. You should introduce it at our state level and um, and see if you can get the ball ro- rolling at your states, even if we can't get it done at the federal level. Most of our listeners are in Southern California. We're not in a state that likes any of this. Um, <laughs> but what I'm, I'm wondering is this. Like you said, this is something that pushes for life. It's positive for family. And it seems to me that regardless of what you think about abortion, even if you are in a state like ours who wants to become, you know, an an abortion, uh, you know, retreat center or whatever it is our governor wants to do, that this is still a good thing that maybe in in a state where or if you live elsewhere where you don't think this is something that your your politicians would go for, is there a good argument that – people can make to say, hey, regardless of where your state is, this is really good. We want to help women in this situation. Oh, absolutely. And it's worth, I mean, right now the the situation in the federal level is very unlikely that this will pass, but is it worth bringing it forward so that we can have a conversation and we can think creatively about what it might look like to solve the problems that are facing women in unplanned pregnancies? Absolutely. (laughs) This will beget creativity and it will encourage those who might be somewhere in the middle who aren't sure what to think about this, it's going to show them that we are serious about the kinds of ideas that we want to bring forward to bring about positive change, right? It's not just about growing our government or killing babies, but it's about what are the creative options we have here and how can we serve these women? The truth is, is that pregnancy resource centers and pregnancy health organizations are providing so many services in 2019 They helped over 2 million people. That's women and babies and their families. And that was over $270 million worth of services at little to no cost to women who found themselves in unplanned pregnancies. And this is the future of the pro-life movement. What this bill does is it it gives words to the actions that are already happening 
in the states. Uh, right now, these community health centers and pregnancy resource centers, they outnumber Planned Parenthood four to one. So the truth is, is they are getting out there and they are reaching out and helping. This is something that just shows the people in the middle that we really do care about it and we want to see change in the long run. I would encourage listeners, especially in the state of California, obviously there are a lot of women going to California to get their abortions because that's how it's been marketed as an abortion uh, travel destination. But man, if you're in California and you're pro-life, you have more opportunity than ever before to be a part of helping your pregnancy resource centers who might in the meantime run into these women as they're finding their way to Planned Parenthoods. And you can be a part of making a difference to show them that there are options other than abortion. And that is always worth doing, being a part of those kind of organizations. You're listening to the Pastor Scott Show. My guest is Nicole Hunt from Focus on the Family, and we're talking about some legislation that's being proposed called the Providing for Life Act, and what it will do is change the federal government's family care system in ways that will help women who are carrying children who they might be led to consider abortion in states where they can do that. Instead, it will give them an opportunity for help. It will bring in through tax credits and some other things that will It will require fathers, even if they're not married, to be involved in the process, which I think is super important. And, you know, something that you you said a couple of times that I think people, particularly in California or in states, that this seems like kind of a lost cause. It isn't. Most people, even in our state, are in the middle. You know, the the polls, if you just poll people and their opinion about abortion, a small majority says, yeah, first trimester, we're, we're okay with it. But the majority says second and third, we're not okay with it. In fact, right here in Los Angeles, uh, some people, some activists helped reject a pregnancy uh, termination center that would come into Beverly Hills that uh, focuses on eighth and ninth month terminations. And uh, my understanding is that was rejected. Yeah, yeah, you're absolutely right. So in early June... Gallup had a poll that came out on abortion, and in that poll, it demonstrated that 64% of Americans believe there should be some kind of restriction on abortion. Mm -hmm. So the truth is, is that the abortion industry is lying and the media is pushing it out as if it's the truth to suggest that the majority of Americans would like to have abortion on demand. That's just not true. Most Americans believe that what the abortion industry would like to do, which is abortion on demand anytime, anyplace, anywhere, for any reason. Reason. Most Americans believe that's too extreme and it's radical. And, and so where we find ourselves is uh, fi- trying to find out, okay, here we are. Uh, most pro-lifers believe that life should be protected and that human dignity begins in the womb because that's a human life. But our culture hasn't quite caught up to where the legality is, right? Which is that uh, there is no constitutional right. And so they're not sure what to think, except that they know that there is some type of human life, because at some point, the majority of them believe that abortion should be restricted. So here we are now kind of left in the middle, and it's our job really to engage culture and start culture shaping. That's one of the reasons why you heard Focus on the Family's ad at the beginning of your segment here. It's one of the reasons why Focus on the Family came out with that ad that really is challenging the narrative that the abortion industry is trying to push on culture that says that, oh, it's only a fetus. It's only a fetus, so don't worry about this. But we all know when that, babe, when that little girl puts her hand on her mama's belly and feels the baby kick, 
she says it's a baby because that's the truth of the matter. It really is a baby. But this is all about what culture shaping is all about. And so each of these have an important part to play in helping our culture to see that life in the womb really is human life and that that life begins at the moment of conception. There are so many things that are that I think have changed in the last year. And one of them is this this whole conversation is something that wouldn't have mattered in the same way a year ago, at least from a, a, a legal standpoint. But there is a lot to do with the culture of life and creating that, that Christians, I think, are here to do. That one of the things Jesus is calling us to do is be people of life, that we're, you know, the salt and light of the world, that we're the light, Jesus says. And, you know, everybody listening, this is really a hopeful time. You know, Nicole, I don't know if you're aware, but even in California, there's been a movement for years that has lost for years just to change the laws so that human trafficking of kids becomes what's called legally a serious crime, where in California it's not. And it was about to lose again until regular people, both Republicans and Democrats, by the way, called their representatives in Sacramento and said, hey, this is crazy. Of course, it should be a serious crime. And that looks like that has completely flipped. And I like to say that, you know, our representatives and people that we work with, they when they listen, there's a lot more flexibility than you might think. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I love that. That's so wonderful. And the truth is, is that when you are fighting for the right for the right side of something, the thing that is honorable, the thing that is true, the thing that is just, there is just a sense of overwhelming truth that perpetrates. And I think it can often cut through that political quagmire and you can find a place where you can find somewhere to meet in the middle or at least to move forward. And I think that that's something that's really important. We need to count those incremental wins as wins. Just because we haven't taken the whole football field and gotten the touchdown yet doesn't mean we aren't moving the ball down the field. And those types of incremental wins are so important in our culture. That is what's going to change our culture, is being able to change things a little bit at a time. So I would encourage, I know in Colorado, where I am, we have a travel destination state as well. um, And more and more people are coming, in, in fact. And so we continue to fight the good fight in the state of Colorado, knowing that we are fighting for what is true and what is right, and that in the end, um, we will be successful. Maybe not now in our lifetimes, but we're going to keep fighting because it is the right thing to do. I think that is absolutely the right point. When something is true, I think people know it. You know, every culture has, you know, we know that murder is wrong. You know, I think most cultures, we agree on a lot of things morally, and I think it's because we have that in our hearts. My guest is Nicole Hunt. She's an attorney who works with Focus on the Family. We're talking about legislations being proposed that will help encourage a culture of life, and that's called the Providing for a Life Act. Uh, Nicole, what's the pushback? Is there Has there been any official you know, pushback that says, no, this is bad? Because it does seem to me that this is hard to argue against, because really it's not, it's not you know, certainly it's pro-life in the sense that you are giving women an, a a better opportunity to choose life. But if you're genuinely pro-choice, then you would support a choice of life the same as you might uh, support a choice of death. What is there any pushback that we should be aware of yet? Yeah, you know, that is you bring up a very, very good point, because a lot of individuals would like to say that they are pro-choice. And in fact, for a long time, the abortion industry said that they were. Mm -hmm, Right. (laughs) The truth is, is that primarily they're just pro-abortion now. 
right? It's, it's about being what is going to save the bottom line for the abortion industry? How are they going to save their business model? And the truth is, is that the abortion industry, they sell one thing for a living and it's abortions. That is the one thing that their business model is built off of. And so, of course, they push back on this all of the time. And what we've heard, although we haven't seen this exact legislation um, in Colorado, but what we have heard every time something similar or something that just promotes life. Like, for instance, pregnancy resource centers were targeted this last legislative cycle in Colorado. And of course, what you hear them say is that they are being deceptive, right? So the abortion industry says that the pregnancy health organizations are being deceptive and they're deceiving women into coming to them for help. Never mind the fact that individual mom after mom after mom got up and gave testimony saying that these pregnancy help organizations helped me. (laughs) They helped me find resources. Um, Instead, what you hear is that they're trying to deceive. And this is just a nefarious way to create more opportunities for women who want to get abortions to take that opportunity away from them. And so that is the common line that we're hearing Mm. from pregnancy, uh, from these abortion industry handlers, I will say in Colorado, and I wonder if California will soon see this, this last legislative cycle, they tried to ban abortion pill reversal, which is the treatment of progesterone. So in the first 48 hours after a woman begins the first chemical abortion pill, um, if instead of taking the second pill, they get onto a strict regimen of progesterone, which women have been prescribed for the last 40 years. Mm-hmm. If you have a pregnancy that, um, for instance, is, is uh, you know, not, not doing well and you want to try to save the baby or you're just trying to get pregnant, you get progesterone as a woman and then that helps you <laughs> to keep your baby or to get pregnant. And so um, the treatment is progesterone. And about 60, a little bit more than 60% of the time, these women are able to save their babies because they've had a change of heart. So you'd think this is something that is very pro-choice, right? A woman who started an abortion and changes her mind and now wants to save her baby. And the abortion industry has gone after them. And so right now in Colorado, um, it's basically in limbo. Uh, the law went into effect and then our attorney general had to say, okay, we're not going to enforce it quite yet because they were immediately sued. Yeah by um by a, a public interest law firm and on behalf of a catholic health clinic actually yeah. and so um the rules are currently being stipulated but sometime around october we're expecting the rules to come out and if the rules say by the health organizations say it's okay for them to uh for the state to prosecute these health healthcare organizations that help women get this pill then it's very likely that we're going to see ourselves see this lawsuit back in in motion right. again but the point is, is that the abortion industry will do everything that they can to keep women from being able to choose yeah. life. And babies. I think that's another thing. And Nicole, we're just about out of time. But I do think that's another thing that is being exposed here is that it's not that pro-choice is a term that should be retired. It's not about pro-choice. It's pro-abortion and that mm-hmm. it's an industry, that this is about money at the end of the day. We're seeing the same thing with gender and some of the other issues of our day. And I do think that the Lord is exposing that. We should be positive about that. And at the same time, If we're going to be pro-life, then we also need to listen to the criticisms and say, you need to help women more. Okay, let's do that. And I want to encourage encourage everybody to go support through your church and just through your own giving or volunteer time at a a Christian pregnancy counseling center. You heard Nicole say that they outnumber Planned Parenthood four to one, and that's because they're great and Mm -hmm. uh, they do a lot. Nicole, any uh, final words here? We got to go. No, just 
a word of encouragement to your listeners. Don't give up hope, no matter how blue the state is that you're in or yeah. how pro-abortion it is. There's always an opportunity to do good. And so keep doing good and helping women in your state. That's right. Nicole Hunt from Focus on the Family, thanks for being with us today on the Pastor Scott Show. And uh, you can hear that video and see more of this campaign. Go to itsababy.com. It'll take you to Focus on the Family, but you'll that's a little shortcut, itsababy.com. And Nicole, uh, Nicole Hunt on Twitter, just Nicole Hunt or X or whatever we're calling it these days. (laughs) Yes, thanks so much for having me, Pastor Scott. Thanks for being on, Nicole. This is the Pastor Scott Show. We'll be back as the Tuesday edition continues in just a moment. Stay tuned. You're listening to the Pastor Scott Show podcast. Have any questions or comments? Email Pastor Scott now at pastorscott at kkla.com or tune in live weekdays from 3 to 5 p.m. Now, back to the show. We're going to switch gears now, and we want to talk about some other news, including crime in Oakland. It has gotten so bad that the NAACP in Oakland and religious leaders are calling on the city to declare a state of emergency. The group fears if leaders don't respond with more action, the violence will get worse. It will continue to push Oakland residents out of the city for good. Yesterday, welcome back to the Pastor Scott Show. Yesterday, the local chapter of the NAACP in Oakland is asking Oakland to declare a state of emergency over crime in the city, which the organization says has gotten so far out of control that everyone is in danger. That's what they said. And I think this is important for us because the belief that I have, and I think this is absolutely true, is that the policies that have destroyed San Francisco are also destroying Oakland, and those policies are being implemented now in Los Angeles. We're a little bit behind. I think this is coming down the coast, but we seem to be continuously looking north for an example from Seattle to Portland, and those cities are destroyed. I don't know if you've paid attention, but even the New York Times today actually was pointing out that Portland is destroyed by all these policies. We're seeing this in San Francisco and Oakland. We're seeing it in L.A. and San Diego beginning to adopt these policies, which you take a look at and they don't work. And I think this is something that should be encouraging to us to take a look at this letter that the NAACP wrote, and they they wrote it along with uh, a church called the Axful Gospel Church. And they blamed everyone from the city district attorney to the movement to defund the police for contributing to what they called, quote, a heyday for Oakland criminals. And uh, it definitely is a heyday. Here is some of what some people had to say about it. We need to do something now to curtail, I think, World War III happening in the city of Oakland. As crime continues to cover Oakland, the NAACP and Axeville Gospel Church Bishop Bob Jackson are calling for a state of emergency. Jackson believes the move is necessary to address violence, he says, is the worst he's seen in 77 years in the city. It's the worst in 77 years. That's the way they feel about it. And, you know, we hear lots of people give testimony of not being safe. I follow some people on Twitter who are talking a lot about the crime in San Francisco. And these are people who, you know, the reason I'm following them is that they want to support these policies in San Francisco, but they are finding the city unsafe. And most of them have moved. Some of them still support San Francisco, which I think is funny because you moved out. And uh, But a lot of them have said this has to change. And yet, something that we continuously do is we maintain the policies. We keep moving forward or we try to find excuses. The uh, news report continues this way. I've seen all of the different uh, drug uh, problems we had, the gangs, violence that we had, but I've never seen the city of Oakland in the condition that it is in right now. 
and it's a desperate situation. In an open letter, the group is asking for state, county, and city resources to address an understaffed police department, including help from other law enforcement to address crime they feel local leaders aren't taking serious enough to put pressure on the people that are in key positions to be able to help us. Oakland residents have mixed feelings on the safety of their communities. I'm on guard all the time, all the time. For the most part, I feel safe, but um, just the other day, though, um, my car did get broken into. For the most part, I feel safe, but, uh, you know, just the other day, my car did, did get broken into, and that happens, but... It's happening so much. Do you feel safer? Do you feel like we are at this crisis point here in Southern California in our cities, wherever you might live listening to the show? The number is 888-528-2557, 888-528-2557. Is it worse than it's ever been or was it worse in another time? And if it was worse in another time, what did we do to, to turn the corner? You know, to it must have gotten better at least for a while until now. The number is 888-528-2557. We've been talking this hour about a culture of life. And in the last segment, we talked about some of the legislation that it has to do with helping women who are in crisis pregnancies and uh, some other things. And, you know, it's part of developing a conversation about being a culture that supports life and that doesn't encourage death. And this is something that has to do with drug use in our state. It has to do with then the homeless situation. It has to do with so many different things, is we are a culture that seems to be tolerating death that or is encouraging death in different ways with these policies that need to change. I take offense at our policies and strategies. Our policies and strategies, I believe, are leading to these things, and we're seeing it in other cities and other states that have the same policies, whether it is the policies toward what's called harm reduction, which is something that encourages uh, drug use that does not encourage um, getting healthy, does not encourage recovery, it does not encourage uh, requiring people, if they're going to receive housing and receive benefits, to get sober. And instead, it gives them places to use drugs. See, to me, this is a culture of death. This is a culture that, you know, when you say that to people, it's called harm reduction. And the idea is is that while you're doing your fentanyl, we want you to do it in a safe place so that we can give you, there's a nurse standing by who'll give you some Narcan, and uh, so you can live to overdose another day. Eventually, you're going to still die. All we're doing is we are preventing what harm reduction does is it's a philosophy that began with the AIDS crisis, actually. And when AIDS was a thing, most people get AIDS because of sexual activity, but some people got AIDS because of using dirty needles. And the idea was, is you know what, with people who are drug users, we don't want them to also get AIDS. We want them to stay alive so they might recover. Back then in the 80s and 90s when this was a policy, there was still a belief that you could recover, that recovery was the goal, that not being a drug addict anymore was something that we wanted. And so the idea was is that if we help people with clean needles who might be doing heroin or something, that they won't get AIDS. So, And back then it was a death sentence for sure. And maybe they'll be alive long enough to deal with their drug problem. And that was kind of the idea. And there was some success with that. You know, people will say that, hey, you know, we prevented these drug dealers, drug people, drug users from getting AIDS with heroin in particular and anything you use a needle for. And there was some positive response to that. 
The problem is that now we have the same idea that we're giving tools and whatever is necessary for using drugs and whatever is necessary to help you not die from an overdose without encouraging recovery, that the idea that you might one day recovery recover has somehow been lost or that we should help you do that. And it's an attitude that's different. I play this clip all the time from our governor because I think it's 15 seconds that tells you what's wrong with the drug problem, the homelessness problem, the crime problem. All of it, I think, is contained in the philosophy if you unpack this. Clean and sober is one of the biggest damn mistakes this country's ever made. I know it's a hold-your-hand idealistic point of view that somehow magically, I mean, God bless some of you. If you're like me, I've been known to have a glass of wine at night watching some of the nightly news. Uh, We all need to self-medicate periodically. That's that's nuts. And if you unpack that, he didn't come up with that on himself. That's part of the philosophy that is behind this. It's no longer about recovery. Clean and sober is the biggest mistake we've ever made. Think about that. If that's the biggest mistake we ever made, that we want people to get better, then what follows from that? If we don't want people to get better, it's going to get worse. The mayor of Anchorage, Alaska, is sending his homeless people to Los Angeles. Did you know that? His argument is uh, they're going to freeze to death up here, so we'll send them down there. And uh, I know that here in Los Angeles, we think you're freezing to death when it's 63 degrees. But he's got a point probably is we can't handle these people, but I'll bet. And this hasn't come out yet, I don't think, but I'll bet that he and other mayors around the country have been sending homeless people here for years so that they don't have to deal with the problem. And they know that here we're not going to cause anybody to do something against their will. If you want to continue to take drugs, we're going to provide a safe place for you to do that. It's one of many philosophies that is failing us, and it is leading to crime, and it's pretty serious. And I think we should be listening to the people who are at the Axville Gospel Church in Oakland and the NAACP's letter, which went on to say this. It said, we are in crisis and elected leaders must declare a state of emergency and bring resources together from the city, the country, and the state to end the crisis. We are 500 police officers short of the number that experts say Oakland needs. Our 9-11 system does not work. Residents now know that help will not come when danger confronts them, and worse criminals know that too. If there are no consequences for committing crime in Oakland, crime will continue to soar. That to me seems like common sense, used to be common sense. This needs to come back. This is something, and I think most people in our state, I'll bet 90, 95%, I think almost everybody believes this unless you've been indoctrinated with a philosophy that says something to the opposite. And unfortunately, enough people are doing that. That's why we implement these philosophies. Plus, I think people are getting rich off the hundreds of millions of dollars that are being spent uh, to maintain policies that we know don't work. What do you think about this? The number is 888-528-2557, 888-528-2557. I'll get to your calls as the Tuesday edition of the Pastor Scott Show continues. Stay tuned. You're listening to the Pastor Scott Show podcast. Have any questions or comments? Email Pastor Scott now at pastorscott at kkla.com or tune in live weekdays from 3 to 5 p.m. Now, back to the show. In just the past week, police have responded to multiple carjacking, shootings, and homicides. This map shows some of the highest profile crimes, including a shootout in the middle of downtown Oakland between a car break-in victim and suspects, a carjacking turned pursuit that ended in two officers in the hospital, a pregnant woman being shot while driving, and two separate homicides yesterday. They have no fear. 
if they would start doing something about it, maybe they'd tone it down a bit. In a meeting last night, Alameda County District Attorney Pamela Price addressed a tense crowd of concerned citizens, including supporters. I think that she stands for fairness, and that's what we support. And critics who accuse her reform policies of being too soft on crime. For them to stop me while I'm driving and pull me out of the car at gunpoint, what are we doing to address this? We reached out to Mayor Shengtao, but she was unavailable for comment. In Oakland, Felina Jones, NBC Bay Area News. That is a report from the Oakland area where the NAACP and also a local church uh, sent a letter saying that this place is a war zone, that we're living in a place where we need, we are in desperate need of help. They said we are in a crisis and elected leaders must declare a state of emergency. And they blamed a lot of different things, including the uh, the defund the police movement and other movements that are um, considered highly progressive, I would say, today on the political scale of things. The district attorney, her, she is being attacked uh, and under recall. Her name is Pamela Price, and she recently said that uh, district attorneys don't increase crime, which uh, we all know isn't true. And we are seeing uh, these district attorneys getting recalled across the country. See, and the campaign... You know, she said this about her campaign. She said that she was elected to implement criminal justice reform and make our system fair and balanced, rooting out racial, gender and economic disparities. And that's kind of the notion. And people go, "Okay, I'll vote for that. But what happens when you don't prosecute crimes is it's not justice. Let me tell you something. And this is something that the NAACP is pointing out, the churches, the citizens of Oakland. And we're seeing this up and down the state. When there is a crime, there is a victim. And in order for there to be justice, the balance needs to be restored. It is not justice to not prosecute crime. It may not be justice to over-prosecute. It might not be justice to cause people to go to jail for longer than they should or pay heavier fines. And there has been injustices in the system related to that. But to just not do it, to just create a system where in Oakland, for example, if somebody steals your car and they leave with it, police can't chase. They can't follow them. They can't do anything. That's the rule. That makes no sense. You know, and the thing is, is that if you are the victim or if your shop gets gets robbed and stolen and there's no prosecution of the criminals or they get arrested, but then immediately let go, they're just going to rob you again. Everybody should know this. This is something that we are seeing in our state everywhere, and we are seeing it where these policies have been implemented. Can I tell you just Stop listening to the the language that politicians use when they're just using words like justice reform and fair and balanced and rooting out these different things. Those things in themselves, maybe they're things that need to be fixed. For sure, we need reforms, but reforms that end crime, that do not compensate victims, that make things worse, which we are seeing over and over, those aren't reforms. That's tearing us apart. That's tearing apart the cities. And we're talking about this from a progressive city. There's no Republicans in Oakland who are a part of any of this, right? There's, there, it's laughable. In fact, uh, the, one of the things that this district attorney uh, had to say, Pamela Price, she said that the recall that is being uh, held against her is the same as January 6th, that just people who don't accept the results of the election. That's nuts, 
that has nothing to do with recall is a, a legal remedy that we all have against politicians who don't do their job. There's a reason that you don't have to wait four years for that term to end. I mean, most of the time that is what you should do. But when politicians simply aren't doing their jobs or they're creating an environment where everybody is unsafe, where, as the NAACP set up there, everyone is in danger, the whole city is in danger, that person needs to be recalled, fired. And it's not January 6th. It's not some kind of conspiracy. In Oakland, when they did this, and they, or in San Francisco, when they got rid of their prosecutor, they actually said this was some kind of, uh, you know, uh, thing orchestrated by uh, Donald Trump and, uh, you know, extreme MAGA Republicans. There's only six people in the entire city of San Francisco who have ever even seen a Make America Great Again hat, let alone own one. No, this is something that is very clear that needs to change. Do you feel safe? Do you feel like there is there is hope? I'm telling you these things because I feel like there is hope. The number, if you want to join the conversation, is 888-528-2557, 888-528-2557, Pastor Scott Show. There's a lot of things writing in the Bible about justice. If you go back and you read your Old Testament and you get into the law, you know, the parts that you usually skip whenever you're doing your Bible in a year, you know, the reason that is so hard to complete, the first reason is Leviticus. Right? You get to that and you just die somewhere in there. But that part of the scriptures is so important because it'll teach you a lot about what justice is and what how God sees things and how a system ought to operate. Obviously, there are laws there that don't apply today specifically, but the principles do. And you can take those principles and apply them in a way today that will create a very good society, a society that functions, something we call civilization. See, that's the big piece of all this is we're losing civilization because it's not civil. It's completely crazy that there are stores where you have to now scan your ID in Oakland and in San Francisco to get in where they lock the doors, they've hired a security guard outside who makes you show your your ID and they scan it before you can even come in the store. See, that's not civilization. That is a regression of civilization. It is turning us into chaos. It is a system of lawlessness, not something we should be surprised about because that's what the Bible tells us we're headed for. When you go through the scriptures, you discover that there is a lot that is said about lawlessness. There is a lot that is said about justice, about doing right, and this is something that God cares about. There is no indication that God is just like, well, I told you guys that uh, things were going to get bad, and he's just sitting back and expecting us to do nothing. I think he expects us to play a role. And in this system, it has to do with voting. It has to do with writing your representatives. It has to do with being involved. And I'll encourage you again. A few weeks ago, you guys, Republicans and Democrats together, independents all, everybody, wrote and communicated with Sacramento over a bill that would change the type of crime of human trafficking of kids to a what's called legally a serious crime. Right now, it's not a serious crime in California. It's serious, right? But it's not serious in the, the sense that you're going to go to jail or a third strike violation or some heavier fines. You know, and I understand that there might be some people who have been convicted of things and the um, sentences are too heavy, right? It can be unjust that way for sure. That's a fine argument to have and to always look at those things, right? But human trafficking, you know, the it should be a one-strike law on that. 
it it doesn't get much worse than that. And yet the philosophies that are pro-lawlessness, the philosophies that are against um, anybody who would speak up against this are the same philosophies that drive that. But what I'm proud of you for and proud of Californians for and many listeners of our show is you contacted Sacramento and people changed their mind. And that's not a done deal yet because the, they're out of session, but it will likely be a, a done deal. Even the governor says he's going to sign it and they're going to make human trafficking a serious crime with serious penalties. And I'm telling you that because in a blue state, progressive state, super majorities in Sacramento, I think if, you, if you're not on that side, you just think you don't have any power. Or if you are on that side, you're, you're told, hey, if you don't vote blue, uh, you're doing something bad. You don't have to vote for that. You don't have to support that. And you can tell your representatives to get a clue and start dealing with this kind of stuff or else recall them. Get them out. I think that matters. I think that it is shameful that we live in a society today where people have to write letters to say nobody feels safe that says, quote, everybody's in danger. See, that's not civilization. And they're not they're in danger because of a very small group of people, a very small group of people who have realized that the law protects them, that this philosophy protects them. That has to get overturned. And I think we're on a path where that might happen. You know, don't lose hope in these things. And whatever the case may be, we are in a culture that needs Jesus. We're in a culture that where part of the reason for, uh, you know, or part of what happens when you come to Christ is your heart changes. And heart changes how we move from a culture of death to a culture of life, regardless of what the laws are. You know, heart changes is what happens when the Holy Spirit comes into you and you truly accept that Jesus died for you and you become a child of God. And that's something we believe, by the way, as Christians. We believe that there is change. We believe that there is spiritual fruit that goes on in the life of any believer, including somebody who was a terrible criminal once, who gets saved and now begins to change. That that person has supernatural help to develop love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and gentleness and self-control, to develop all of those things. Say, do you really believe that? Do you believe that God is capable of doing that in some of the hardest people that you know or have ever met? I believe he is. I've seen it a lot. And it's a great testimony of Jesus Christ. Justice, biblical justice, when it truly is uh, justice, is something that changes societies. It changes them for the better. It turns them into civilization. The reason we have civilization is because people follow what became known secularly as a Judeo-Christian ethic. It's because certain things are just and certain things are not. And the closer you get to that being right, the better your entire society is going to be. Our God is true. The God we follow is absolutely true. All right, we got uh, stuff going on in the news. We'll talk about that in a little bit as the second hour of the Pastor Scott Show continues in just a moment. Stay tuned. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. 
The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.